what triggered this bizarre behavior. Journey into the cold heart of northern darkness with Nordic crimes. That case uh, became like a scene from a horror movie. A new true crime documentary series that chilled the bone. The hunger for killing is increasing in the course of these homicides. Listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Nordic Crimes is a part of the Acast family. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey everybody, it's me, Brother Wild Bill. I'm coming to you from inside the most dangerous prison in the Western Hemisphere, certainly the most dangerous prison in Central America. Hello, and welcome back to One Minute Remaining. My name is Jack Lawrence, the host and creator of this show. Every Tuesday, we tell a story of an incarcerated man or woman in the United States. These stories follow their lives, the crimes in which they were convicted for, subsequent trials, and then their time with inside facilities across the United States. OMR Thursdays are reserved for other content, including catch-ups with men and women whose stories we have told previously, as well as other people involved in this world and the experience of crime and punishment. And today, we look at such a story. In the middle part of last year, I created a new true crime show called Wanted. The show saw me sit down and interview men and women that had been or who are currently wanted by authorities. Stories of people who say they are innocent of the crimes they have been accused of as well as others who fully admit to their crimes and have since turned their lives around. One of the subjects of this show was a man known to authorities as Wild Bill. I'm 43 years old. I was Central America's most sought-after professional killer. I was arrested in 2010. I'm serving 46 years for quintuple homicide inside the most dangerous prison in the Western Hemisphere. William Dethan Holbert is an American man who grew up in a, as he calls it, very all-American cookie-cutter life. But that life would take an incredibly different turn and be anything but normal. 
it would see him become one of the most wanted men in the United States. They were America's most wanted fugitives, that is until Monday. A couple who lived in Asheville is being detained in Nicaragua, accused in a string of killings in three different countries. They're also facing a laundry list of charges in the U.S. from stolen cars to a high-speed chase and fraud. After fleeing the U.S., he would make his way to South America, where he would continue to further his criminal activities, crossing paths with some of Central America's elite and corrupt. Judges, police, politicians and high flyers of business, legal and illegal. Life for Bill was rather lucrative, as he became a Mr Fix-It of sorts for these country club dwellers. A baseball bat for hire. That baseball bat would soon turn into a gun. And Bill says he soon becomes a killer for hire. In my series Wanted, Bill would tell me his story from his early beginnings all the way to the moment before his arrest. And that is where our story concluded. Bill has spent many years locked up for his crimes in a Panamanian prison. In fact, the most dangerous prison in the Western Hemisphere. A place where corruption and violence is everywhere. A facility so dangerous that guards rarely set foot inside its walls and instead line them armed with guns to deal instantly with anyone that might attempt to escape. Bill has never told the story of his incarceration. Until now. I'm a wanderer of the soul Before the end I plan to behold But I know I'll lose myself along the way What's gone is gone What's past is past If you haven't yet heard the Wild Bill story, you can hear it in full by clicking the link in the show notes of this episode. I would also like to point out that in no way is William Dethan Holbert an innocent man. He is guilty of the crimes he has been convicted of, and in no way does he ever want to glamorise the life that he once led. And that's what I did on the outside. I'm not advocating that now, and we'll get there. I'm a, I'm a, bit, a really different man now. But, I mean, let's, we're talking about what I did back in the day, you know, and who I was. I was a hitman, and I was a freelance killer, a professional killer. In every form of the word, I was a professional killer. There's nothing glamorous about that either, and we'll talk about that later. So it was a shitty life, actually. I made a lot of money, but it was a shitty life. We pick up Bill's story when he had fled Panama after he'd been tipped off that authorities were looking for him. He and his then wife quickly grabbed what they could, including a large sum of money, and would flee to the jungles of Nicaragua. Bill would manage to find a small hut in the middle of the jungle and was renting it out for $20 a month. He'd stayed undetected for some time, and in fact, would be caught completely by accident, even after being caught, would almost get away. I was arrested in a Nicaraguan war zone. Uh, Costa Rica and Nicaragua were fighting over an island that is in the San Juan River. I happened to be on that island, uh, hiding, because the whole world was looking for me. So I, I got arrested on accident there. I just got picked up by the Nicaraguan military, and then they found out who I was. I went to go get gasoline 
to run the generator in this little shack that I had rented. Now, when I say I was out in the jungle, I'm not talking about 10 miles away from the store. I'm talking about, you know, waist deep in the jungle, man. I mean, like way, way, way out in the jungle. No roads. Everything you had to get on. I mean, think about the Amazon River, that sort of shit. You know, it was like incredible. And I rented this little cabin for like, I don't know, I think like $20 a month or something, you know. And, and I was just on the lamb there. Actually, I had my wife with me. At the time, she was my wife at the time. We're divorced now and have been for a long time. And that story will be told here in just a little bit as well. So anyway, so I went to the store and I, got, I picked up uh, gasoline and a tank of, uh, of propane. And so I was on the way back and the Nicaraguan military had moved in. I've been gone for like a one day. And the Nicaraguan military had moved in to the island, had taken possession of the island where I was while I was gone. And when I got back, they literally beat the shit out of me. When they, they stopped me in the, in the middle of the river, um, shot at me with AK-47s, us, I should say, because I was with my wife. And they boarded the boat, like beat the shit out of me, and hogtied me with my hands tied behind my back, some old nasty twine, you know, and, and uh, very, this is the Nicaraguan military, not the police. And they carried me to their base camp. And their base camp, the captain there started asking me, he said, well, why do you have a gun? I said, why do you have a gun? And he's like, yeah, but we're the military. Like, well, you have a gun for protection, right? Well, I'm out here in the jungle. I got a pistol. I had like a 38, just a small 30, well, Smith and Wesson 38 pistol, 38 caliber pistol, revolver. And uh, I, and so he says, well, why do you have? You, you're a drug dealer. You have, or you're a drug trafficker. You have thirty-two thousand dollars in cash. I had thirty-two thousand dollars in cash. And I said, well, I'm not a drug trafficker, man. I don't, I don't deal in drugs, and that was true. And I said, but I don't have $32,000 either. I got $16,000 and you got $16,000. And he said, and he stopped for a minute and he's like, what? And I said, you heard me very well. And he said, oh my God, we've made a terrible mistake, he said. The officer suddenly calls for his men, ordering them to release Bill from his restraints. He then invites Bill to sit with him. They need to toast to their new friendship. The officer produces a bottle of rum and two shot glasses. As he pours the two a drink... Bill begins to count out the money. And so I like sat there with a, like it was almost like I had a deck of cards, you know, I sat and I dealt out one for you, one for me, you know, and they were, it, was, it was like $100 bills, one for you, one for me. And so when we got them all dealt out, I put mine in my pocket, he put his in his pocket. It was looking like Bill had yet again escaped by the skin of his teeth. Yet, before he parted ways with the officer, he wanted to make certain that he would be safe from authorities moving forward. And I said to him, I said, hey, look here, man, I'm going to be here for a while and I don't want nobody else to fuck with me and you're not the only authority here. So I want you to give me a card or something that has your name on it that I can give to anybody that stops me. And he did. And so I come outside. Now, a lot of things had conspired, like the universe has conspired to arrest me, literally, because a lot of things had to have happened for me to be arrested because I was completely unknown. Nobody knew who I was. I had a false passport. Actually, not a false passport. I had a passport, and a Dutch passport in a false name. So anyway, I um, we come outside. We're laughing and carrying on. While I was in Costa Rica buying propane and gasoline for the generator and supplying and just like food and supplies and stuff, someone recognized me on the Costa Rican side at the little outpost store. I mean, this is an outpost store in the middle of nowhere. I mean, when I say the middle of nowhere, I'm talking like 50 kilometers up a river, literally. On the way back, someone recognized me at the store and called the police. Now, what the police had done, because they have very limited capabilities there, they had called and asked to borrow the helicopter of Teletica, which is the only news channel in in Costa Rica. It's a very small country. And the police were, like, mounted inside the helicopter, like, filed inside the helicopter, and they were running up and down the river looking for me. 
And so when the Nicaraguans let me walk outside and I was talking to the, the, to the, the captain there, the helicopter flew over and they stuck a bullhorn out the window. And I said, oh my God, I knew, I knew what it was. I just, when I saw it, I knew what it was. They're looking for me. And it said Teletica all over the side. It's like a news channel. But you could see inside that they're like police, you know, it's not, it's not I mean, like 10 cops and something. So he announces across, he said, that, tu tienes el salvaje bill. You have, you have Wild Bill in your custody. That is the most wanted man in the world right now. At least in Central America, I was the most wanted man in Central America. And so I turned to speak to the captain, and somebody hit me in the back of the head with an AK-47, and I knew no more. At that moment, it all came to an end, and the journey into the next 40-plus years of his life would begin. When Bill finally comes to, he is hogtied and hears the sounds of a woman sobbing. It is his wife who had also been apprehended by authorities. There they sat, until a boat arrived to take them on a three-day trip through the jungle. They were given no food, and the only drinking water available to them was straight from the river they were travelling on. For three days and two nights, the boat made its way to its destination, Managua, the capital city. Upon their arrival, Bill would be met by two officials one from the U.S. Embassy and the other from the CIA. So they brought us in and, uh, and, the, and the hell really began. Uh, that was like the first, you know, I've been, I've been like literally the first time I've ever been arrested. I never had a pair of handcuffs on in my life and uh, never had any, I'd never been in prison. I'd never, you know, I, actually the Americans tried to capture me and I, I got away from them even. So they got me there. The American Embassy came to see me and some CIA spook with a, a nice lady from the consulate. The lady from the consulate was like super worried about us, went and bought us Subway sandwiches. I don't know, there must be a Subway in Managua and, and, and I guess there's Subways everywhere, aren't there? Anyway, he brought me a Subway sandwich and um, I remember eating it. It was the best thing I ever ate in my life. And and so the CIA guy comes and he talks to me and he's like, what's your name? And I was like horrified. I wanted to go back to the States because I knew that even if they wanted me, none of the evidence that they would find in Panama would be admissible in an American court. So I wanted to go back to the States. I was like, I'm an American citizen, and I told him my real name and everything. And he's like, and he's like, uh-huh. So he leaves, and he comes back like, a, like three hours later. And so he talks to me. He's like, they're going to send you to Panama. I'm like, no, I'm an American citizen. I have the right to go back to my country. If there's two people looking for me, the Americans are looking for me too. Send me back to America. And he's like, I hope they fucking kill you. That's what he said. He said, I hope they fucking kill you here, and I hope you're you're tortured. And I said, well, fuck you very much, you know. And that's what that was pretty much the end of that. He was a real asshole and very very ugly. (laughs) Not all cops are bad. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of good ones actually. A lot of nice guys that are cops, but there are a lot of fucking assholes too. And this was one of them. America wanted nothing to do with them. Bill and his wife were on their own. And it was now time to face the Nicaraguan authorities and their judicial system. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, 
fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. From there, they, they took me into a dark room and left me there for I don't know how long. I'm saying three days, but I mean a dark room, a dark room with no bathroom, no water, uh, they opened the slot in the door and gave me food once a day and a bottle of water once a day. I had to shit in the corner, literally. No way to bathe, no way to, nothing. And they brought me out finally after three days and brought me in front of a guy. And, and so he asked me, starts asking me questions, really nice, talking nice to me, speaking in English. He has no idea that I speak Spanish. He thinks I don't speak Spanish. And I speak Spanish fluently. So we start talking there. And he's like he's typing on an old-fashioned typewriter. This is 2010. This this happened in 2010, by the way. We're in Nicaragua, so Nicaragua is like a really it's atrasado, which means like very backward. It's it's still Soviet, literally. And he's typing on a typewriter. And so he asked me all these things, and I'm talking and talking and talking, and he's typing as if he's typing what I'm saying. Then he hands me the papers, like five pages long. And he hands me the paper to sign this. This is what you said. And I start reading it. It's in Spanish. And it said, in 1999, I killed this guy in, in, in this Nicaraguan town. In 2002, I killed this guy in this Nicaraguan town. I'm like, Jesus. I'm like, I didn't even leave the United States until 2004. How in the hell? I'm like, what is this shit? And so they're like, you're going to sign it. And I'm, they were, they were going to like clean the books in Nicaragua of all unsolved homicides with me. And so I said, fuck you, I'm not signing anything. I want to see the embassy. I'm like, no, the embassy has already come. They're not going to see you again. And, and, and I'm like screaming, you know. And, and so they, this is what they did. They took me back to the, the, the dark room, and then they brought me back in about 20 minutes. In about 20 minutes, they brought me back, and I'm handcuffed. To, get, to come out of the dark room, you have to be handcuffed. So I'm handcuffed in front. And so the guy ties my handcuffs to like a bar. He doesn't chain them. He literally tied them like with a strap to a bar that's over my head. And so they come inside and there's this little shit that has a baseball bat, but it, it's thinner than a baseball bat, but it has like foam wrapped around it, like like taped around it. So he can beat you with it and it won't break your bones, that sort of thing. So he starts hitting me with the thing and I come completely unglued, I, I, I freaked out. I, I kicked him in the stomach and another one come running and I kicked him and I pulled on the strap until the strap come loose and they're like, oh my God, you know, they're like, the, the beast is like some let loose. So income running like, I don't know, four or five of them, and they're beating the shit out of me, and, and but now not with not not in a good way, like not not with the the baseball bat with foam, like with batons, and they beat my ass and stuck me back in the dark room. And there he sits in a windowless room, in the pitch black, not knowing whether it's night or day. He loses track of time but thinks he was in there for about three or four days until he's taken out again. A man named Omar Pinzon, who is the head of the Panamanian DIJ, which is the same thing as like the American version of the FBI. He was the head of that organization. So he came to see me and he's like, look, man, he said, you're fucked. But in Panama, they ain't going to treat you like this. So, and the, and the Nicaraguans aren't going to send you to America because they hate you. They're not going to send you back to the U.S. because they hate the Americans. It's because, like, Nicaragua is Soviet, like, l- communist, literally, like, still. And so, it's a Soviet regime, regime, it's like Cuba. So, anyway, so they came, 
and I agreed. I said, fuck it, let's go back. And I was really, the whole time, I want to be really clear, I was like, the, th the only thing that worried me the whole time, I thought, well, I'm dead, I'm fucked, that's okay. I can deal with that. The only thing I was worried about the whole time was, was how were they treating my poor wife, you know? And so when I finally saw her, when we went back, she was like, no, nothing happened to me. They were really nice to me. They put me in with some other girls, and we ate, and we talked, and it was okay. And so I was like, okay, cool. The Panamanian authorities arrive to take Bill back to Panama, where he will face the local district attorney and eventually confess to his charges. But he wouldn't be going quietly. The Panamanian authorities were set to make a spectacle of catching the infamous Wild Bill. The, the Panamanians come to pick me up and they take me and there's like news cameras everywhere and they just put me in the back of an old pickup truck, take me through the streets like at 700 miles an hour in the back of a pickup truck, just tossed into the back of a pickup truck, chained hand and feet, out to the tarmac on a, and there's a Panamanian private plane waiting on me. Excellent. The capture of Wild Bill or Savaje Bill was big news in South America and around the world. This monster who'd murdered multiple people for money was now apprehended and was on his way back to Panama to face the music. William Dutton Holbert, nació el 12 de septiembre. Llegó procedente de Managua, Nicaragua, el salvaje Bill. William Natal Holbert. Llegaron a las instalaciones del bar y la casa de William Holbert cuyo interior es mostrado en televisión por primera vez. The airplane is timed to come into the airport at 6 o'clock for the news. It's going to be a news conference there. I'm like, no shit. So the airplane touches down on the tarmac. So I come down off the plane and there's like every news camera in the world. I'm like, and, and I'm like, oh my God. So I walk down and there on a podium has set up uh, Ricardo Martinelli, who was president back in those days. And there's all these news cameras pointed at the president and he starts talking. So he says, I want to give thanks to the Panamanian authorities for capturing this monster and bringing him to justice. We're going we're gonna to throw the book at him, you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And I said, hey, wait a minute. And every news camera turned away from the president and turned towards me, and there was absolute silence. And I said, you know, jefe, boss man, you know, boss man, I said in, in Spanish, I said this in Spanish, I said, Tu sabes que no fue, fueron los Panamanians que me capturaron. I said, you, you know, it wasn't the Panamanians that captured me, it was the Nicaraguans. The Panamanians let me go. And everybody started to laugh. And like, there was a lady, I remember the lady, I can remember it clearly, she, she laughed and then everybody else laughed. And then the president freaked. He freaked and he's like, oh my God, they've made a joke out of me. I, you know, he, I look foolish. And so he's like, take that man away, take him away, take him away. And so they did. Possibly not the best move to embarrass the president of the country that's about to decide your fate. Bill is off for his first taste of Panamanian lockup as he heads to a holding facility. But for now, he would be held away from general population and would spend his first few days in solitary. So they take me to the Ancon Judicial Center, the Ancon Judicial Processing Center. In the Ancon Judicial Processing Center, they, they separated me from the other prisoners. They, they gave me like this little room to be in. And it had a phone in it. It actually had a, a calling, a phone to call in it. And... Um, I didn't know what to do. And so my wife was also brought to the same place. And the cops were really cool. There was this guy named, like, his actual, 
if you pronounce his name in English, it's Grimes, G-R-I-M-E-S, a black guy. But he was in charge of the prison, and he spoke English. Like, So he was cool with me, so he pulled me out at night, we'd sit around and talk and play cards. I was chained, like I had my handcuffs, but we'd play cards and smoke cigarettes. And um, he would call the other guards and bring my wife to the bars. He wouldn't let me, like, in a room with her. But she, her on one side of the bars, me on the other side, us sitting in chairs, holding hands. We would talk for, like, hours. Bill is set for his first meeting with Panama's district attorney. And as far as he's concerned, there's no point trying to worm his way out of this one. He's going down and he's going to take the rap for it all. The one thing he has left to do is to try and get his wife free. They bring Angel Calderon. Angel Calderon uh, is the fiscal, um, the number one district attorney in the country of Panama. They bring his him in. He's this medium-sized, beer-bellied, cigarette, breathe. I mean, like this man reeked of cigarette smoke. I mean, I remember that. I smoked back in the day, but this guy, like, like he, he was a walking cigarette. And they set him down in the chair and so he starts asking me questions and stuff and so so i this was my statement was like this i killed everybody i did it all by myself i didn't involve anybody else my wife is innocent that's all i have to say that was my statement they ask him like a million questions i want to answer them so what about this guy what about that guy well, obviously we know that this guy helped you and we know that that guy and i'm like you know what i didn't i didn't rat on anybody i said no i'm not i'm not gonna you know talk about those things and I said, there's no reason for me to. I'm guilty, and if I rat it on everybody, they're just going to fucking kill me because you can't you can't be protected in a Panamanian prison. And, you know, and anybody can kill anybody. It doesn't matter. I'm a big, tough guy, but it doesn't matter. Some little shithead with a, with a 38 can shoot you in the back of the head when you ain't looking. I mean, there are guns in Panamanian prisons. Prisoners have guns. Nobody can protect anybody in a Panamanian prison. It's a fucking joke. Full of monsters, you know? So he brings me this thing. It's like 30 fucking pages long of shit. He did the same thing that the Nicaragua guy was trying to do, but he didn't, he wasn't trying to involve me in other crimes. He was trying to involve my friends in my crimes. And like in that, I started reading the stuff he said and the stuff that was printed there. And it was like, this guy helped me, that guy helped me. And this is where he lives. And this is how, how you, this is what he did for me. Things that weren't, one, some of it was true and some of it wasn't. And so I took the papers that he handed me and tore them in half and I'm like, and threw them at him. So he wasn't very happy with me. Bill is shipped back off to the holding facility. And when he arrives, Grimes, the prison officer, gives him a choice. So the Grimes guy, Grimes, says, hey, do you want to be separated from the other boys or do you want to be in with the prisoners? And I'm like, fuck it, I want to be in with the prisoners. So I get him inside and I was like, I couldn't believe what it was like inside. You know, there's booze in there. The guys are smoking marijuana cigarettes, which I don't, I don't use marijuana, but, and then, and, but there's booze in there. Everybody had a Blackberry walking around and I'm like, this is prison? You know, and it was dirty. It was horrible, dirty and old. But I mean, like, it wasn't so bad. You know what I mean? And like, the people, they're, they're cooking like chicken over there in the corner, frying chicken. And I mean, it was like, fuck, okay. It was all right. So I'm like, this isn't going to be so bad. So the next couple of days, they pull me back out and, uh, and uh, said, bring me a piece of paper that says, I did this shit. I did it alone. Nobody else helped me. My wife is innocent, and I'll sign it. And they did. They brought me that, and I signed it. And that's my statement. And so he's like, well, we have other questions. I'm like, I want a lawyer. So they bring me this indigenous guy from Panama. They call him Indios here also. So I'm not like, I'm not speaking racial slurs. They call him Indios. So they bring me this little Indian guy, and he like literally falls asleep in the middle of the disposition. 
And I remember pushing him, and he, he almost fell on the floor. I'm like, what the fuck? What's the matter with you? And I'm like, I ain't talking. No, no more. Talk, take me back to my cell. And they're like, no, no, no. I'm like, take me back to my cell. What is this crazy shit you guys are going on? The cat and mouse game continues, but the next time Bill is brought before the district attorney, he has an offer for him, and it's not in the form of information. So they, finally they bring me back in, and, and so Calderon, the, the district attorney, says to me, says, you want your wife to go free, but I don't have any incentive at all to let her go free. And so and I'm like, immediately I understood this man's finally talking my language. And so I'm like, well, what if I had something that you'd want that, that, you could, that could work as incentive for you personally, not for the government, for you personally, that would, you know, make you want to let her go? He's like, well, I have the authority to release her from all charges, but... Again, and I said, well, let's say that I had $200,000 in cash and $20 bills. And if I was to give you that $200,000, you could let her go. And he's like, yes, yes, give it to me. I'll do it. And I'm like, no, but it's not going to work that way because we've got to come up with a way where both people are, you know, secured. You don't want me to rat you out. You want the money and I want you to let my wife go, but I don't trust you. I can't give you money without you doing it first. He's like, well, I'm not going to let her go first without you giving me the money. I'm like, well, I don't know what to do. So he says, let's do this. He says, I'll make the paperwork, get the paperwork ready to let her go, to, to get rid of the charges, and I'll put her on an airplane back to the United States. When she's seated on the airplane, she will call you from a cell phone here in this office, and you tell me where the money is, and then when they give you the money, we'll let the plane go. I'm like, that's a perfect plan. So he says, fine, but it's going to take me like three weeks to get this shit together. Where is the money? I'm like, I can't tell you where it is. I say, I can tell you in the vicinity of where it is. You need to be in the vicinity of my house at this place. They knew where, they knew I had a house at this place. I said, you need to be there close to there. It's not in the house, but you need to be, you know, and you need, when, when you bring me back here to do the deal, you need to have somebody there at that house. And he said, fine. In the meantime... We want you to be comfortable. Now he's being nice. You know, he's been a cocksucker before, but now he's being nice. He says, we, we want you to be comfortable. So what we're going to do is we're going to send you to this really good pavillon cell block in La Joyita, which is the newest, which in this time, and that back in 2010 was the newest part of this complex. And he said, it's, don't worry about it. It's a good place. You'll be all right. So I'm like, okay, cool. And he said, and, and when we get everything ready to go, I'll bring you back here. But you, but if you, if you lie or if this is some sort of a trap, we're gonna, we're gonna fuck you. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's cool. Don't worry about it. It's, it's true. I got, I had like, and so I had in my home in in Bocas. I told him it wasn't in the house, but it was. And I told him I had one hundred ninety six thousand dollars. I remember one hundred ninety six thousand dollars in in twenty dollar bills. So they send me to prison. So, like, I'm actually going to prison, not just to some, you know, holding center. I'm going to an actual prison. I remember riding in the bus on the way there. Not on the bus. It was like in a, in a pickup truck. They had me in, like, a four-door pickup truck with guards, you know, every, and like, two guards, one on each side, and a guard in the, the passenger seat and a guard and one and a guy driving. And I remember thinking, like, if this was in the movies, this is the moment that the music would say, bow, 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 bow. You know, as I go along, I'm going to prison. And I was, like, terrified. I'm just going to be honest with you. And that's all we have time for. But coming up in our next episode, 
Wild Bill, an American former hitman who's never seen the inside of a prison before, is heading to the most dangerous facility in the Western Hemisphere. This is my first time in prison. I've never been in prison before. And, you know, I've seen all the movies, the old gangster movies where they go to prison. And, like, you know how you're supposed to hit somebody on the first day, the biggest and meanest one, so everybody thinks you're, you know, I don't know what to expect. Next time on One Minute Remaining. One Minute Remaining is a Mashed Pumpkin production, created, hosted and produced by Jack Lawrence. Audio and sound design by Jack Lawrence and Dom Evans of Earsay. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.